From Creative Force, I'm Daniel Jester, and this is the e-commerce content creation podcast. In this week's episode of the e-commerce content creation podcast, host Caitlin Andrews talks with creative operations consultant Perry Shad about her extensive experience in the industry, the challenges facing studios today, and dissecting this extraordinarily slow summer that so many studios and creative professionals have been experiencing. So summer generally is slow, but I think that this year is exceptionally slow. This is one of our first years, in my opinion. We're still trying to find that balance. We're still trying to find that equilibrium to get back. We'll never get back to pre-pandemic, but what is our new normal look like? And it's been, you know, three years now of us trying to figure that out. And so I think that, you know, Q4 of last year was a really big push as well. The end of Q3 and the beginning of four will start to pick up primarily because budgets and budgets are generally due late August, early September for the next year. One of the interesting takeaways for me from this episode was many of the things that Perry talks about as contributing factors to this very slow summer are pretty systemic. And she goes on to talk about what studios and creative operations teams can do when things slow down as they inevitably will again. Now let's jump into this episode with Caitlin and Perry. Hey, Perry, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Yes, we're so excited. If I could pick one person in our whole industry to be able to interview, it would be Perry. And there are lots of reasons for that. But I think I'm just really excited to interview Perry because I'm super inspired by what you do and kind of how you've grown your own business. So I would love to get into a couple questions for you. But first, I just want to kind of go over just you in general. So like, you know, where you are, what you do. Can you just give the audience a quick introduction as to who you are? I have been in the photography industry for about 20 years. I know we've kind of talked about that in the past. And that goes back to to college when things really got started and really falling in love with like studio management and learning the ropes of being on set and really what it's like to be a part of the industry. And then just throughout the years, just always maintaining my place in in the photography industry, whether it's a photographer, a tech, in studio management, in technology, it's just been an adventure, I would say, to get where I am now. And I feel like, you know, just in terms of our backgrounds, like my background is I've only got about half the time that you do, which I'm sure, you know, if we can go back down memory lane for the whole episode, I would absolutely do that because I think one of the unique things about you is that you've done every single role in the studio in different studios. And so that's allowed you to kind of build up this like incredible industry knowledge mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people, you know, wish that they could do. You know, a lot of times you get stuck in kind of like a retouching role and then you end up being an expert retoucher. But I think what you've done, which is really smart, you've taken all of that experience and you've created kind of a business out of it for consulting. So you work with, you know, who are your customers generally? Are they studios or like what do your kind of uh, customer personas look like as a consultant? It's I think because it's a consultant, I have a wider range of clients that I work with. So that could be anywhere from a brand specifically or a studio and an agency that, you know, supports brands in the photography process or even technology companies as well, who, whether that is like a workflow management tool, a retouching tool, a dam, 
So I have an opportunity to kind of plug into every different aspect throughout our industry, which is, to your point, very similar to just kind of how my career has been this entire time. You know, I just, I want to understand from every angle Mm. how we do what we do and why we do what we do. So being able to have clients to really be able to understand those angles has been wonderful. It's just, it's, I don't limit myself, I would say. Do you see similar trends amongst all your customers throughout, you know, the year? Or do you see just a wide variety of different problems across the board by brand, by studio, by different agencies? I would say because I work with so many different types of businesses within our industry, I can take any level, kind of a bird's eye view and hire out of that. So I see themes across our entire industry as a whole. Mm. But then if I dive into more of that, the retail and the brand perspective, I see a lot of issues there. If I look at the tech side, I see issues there. If I look at the agency side, there's issues. And sometimes they blend and sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. But I would say like the most common thing right now is technology, not much in our industry has mm, has changed in 10 years, I would say. Like, yes, we have different process, but like we're at this really interesting transitional point in our industry. And I think even just globally in general is this idea of technology. And so being able to actually have the industry, the tech industry speed up because of the pandemic, it really forced us with collaborative tools, putting everything online. It instantly changed how we work every single day and even how we interact as humans. And so being able for organizations, being able to catch up to some of those changes is a struggle. I would say like understanding what systems you have now, what systems you really need, what systems you're investing in is to me one of like kind of an overarching issue right now and like understanding what that tech stack looks like for each organization. And of course it's different for everybody, but, Mm. and then, you know, AI, AI is going to just throw you know, throw it all off as well. So I would say that tech is one major portion. And then struggles like communication. And even before the pandemic, even when we were like sitting next to each other in offices, just the idea of communication and like knowing how to communicate with your teams from leadership to the to the worker bees, you know, all of this, these amazing teams who are actually doing this work day in and day out and making sure that there's a clear funnel of communication Oftentimes there's like some point, there's like a breaking point where just communication turns into a game of telephone Mm -hmm. and some information goes through and some, it changes. And like, oftentimes I see that people, if you're investing in tech, for example, and you're putting in like a project management tool, leadership puts that in, but they're not telling the team, this is why we're doing it. This is what we're trying to solve. This is how we're going to approach this. This is what you're, you're going to be doing for the next six months. There's no game plan and there's no real strong change management. So there's this fear of change because of that. So getting people to understand that change is good is also kind of, is I think another common theme throughout all industries. Yeah, change management, that seems to be coming up a lot in my conversations with customers, especially at Creative Force. I know just in the industry, a lot of studios are going from, you know, using SharePoint, using Excel, and using kind of these classic tools that don't really push production forward. But it's something that people have built. And sometimes you'll get somebody on the team that's been there for 15 years and is really proud of the fact that they've been able to move their assets from A to B in a semi-productive way without too many reshoots, but they'll build these processes out of, you know, these very basic building blocks and, you know, struggle. And and sometimes there's a lot of protection over that build. So like when, you know, we talk to these people and we try to 
you know, show them a new tool that can automate half their processes, they get really kind of like clenched up where like, they don't want to change or they don't want to, they don't want to try new things and, and try a faster way. And we were met sometimes with that resistance. But I'm curious as to like your, you know, Perry, you're a very personable person. I imagine that you have a strategy to handle kind of those types of team members. Can you talk about that a little bit and like how you handle that? Yeah, I think I can't speak for other people in my role because obviously I've never like kind of shared my role with other people. But one thing that's been always really important to me, even as a child, is this idea of empathy. Being excited for change, because I think that oftentimes people get kind of clenched up, like you're saying, and they get very protective and they don't they, they don't want things to change because they have job security and they know what they have to do every single day. But then there's this like element that the elephant in the room. So there's like this large concept in the room and they're saying, well, there's no way I could eat this entire elephant in one bite. (sighs) And you're never expected to. And I think that people forget that it's like over time, it's bite by bite that you really start to tackle these implementations or, you know, changing process or changing teams or, you know, whatever that change is that's going on within an organization. And, that's where that level of communication needs to come in. That's where a game plan comes in. And so just making sure that you understand empathetically, what are you so afraid of? Mm-hmm. And that could be an outright question to somebody if it's more of a one-on-one, but also just really understanding why are they scared? What makes them uncomfortable? And then those things that they're holding on to the most is part of that security. Well, what if I could make this better for you? What if we could together make this better for you? What if you actually didn't Instead of spending three hours on this, you only need to spend an hour on this. What more could you do in your day with that additional time? And really just kind of helping them envision and see what that future state looks like. So there is like this level of hand-holding. And with all the different learning styles out there, as creatives, as like right brain, left brain, the way that people learn is very different from person to person. And as someone who learns things differently... Frankly, I consider it one of my superpowers Mm. is being able to talk to creatives or talk to very like analytical finance people, logical people, and kind of like, you know, create that communication bridge and making it a very comfortable, safe space that like, this is really exciting. What you guys do, the industry we're in is really cool. Like, let's do this. Let's make this better. Mm -hmm. And there's, I think, getting that excitement, seeing, meeting people where they're at, and then just communication, clear communication, I think are probably the three biggest parts of my process. That's awesome. I love that you mentioned empathy. I feel like that's my favorite thing to keep in mind. And, you know, working in studios or working in big creative spaces, like I think in general, you need to have a lot of team empathy in general, (laughs) just to you know, we're putting our work out there, even though sometimes it is, you know, just maybe it's a lifestyle shot or, you know, it's a bottle of wine or something like that. Like you're still putting in a creative effort and that does come from the heart. So being being empathetic and helping people that way, I think is so important. And it's, I think adding an element to that to your business is so cool. So that's, I love that. I love that response. But I'm curious, so I know we talked a little bit about kind of the challenges that companies face and if there are any trends. Have you experienced, is right now a slow time or is right now kind of a busy time? Like, how do you map out, you know, your calendar, especially, I know studios have 
generally have busy seasons and slow times and busy seasons and slow times. Like, do you have kind of a, a general idea of what your year looks like and what does this year look like for you? I think that consensus across the board is that the summer is exceptionally slow. Mm. I think summer is always slow. Yeah, People are out <laughs> traveling, they're out with their families, kids are home from school. So there's a lot of camp and running around and like just, you know, chaos of life that happens in the summertime. So summer generally is slow, but I think that this year is exceptionally slow. This is one of our first years, in my opinion, we're still trying to find that balance. We're still trying to find that equilibrium to get back. We'll never get back to pre-pandemic, but what does our new normal look like? And it's been, you know, three years now of us trying to figure that out. And so I think that, you know, Q4 of last year was a really big push as well. The end of Q3 and the beginning of four will start to pick up primarily because budgets and budgets are generally due late August, early September for the next year. So obviously people want to spend all of that money that they have left over. And that's generally where like investment in tech comes in. So I'm hoping that as like holiday shoots start to pick up too, like we kind of step into this more festive time and there's a lot of production attached to that, that we'll start to see this pick up a little bit more. But I think that this might bleed, the slowness might bleed into probably the next year or so while things level out a bit. Gotcha. Yeah, I've been feeling that too. Companies are a little bit like more protective of their budget right now. I'm curious, do you have any insight as to why that might be, as to why the slowdown is happening? In true Perry form, I do have a lot of data. Because <laughs> I'm such data a nerd queen. for data. Very much so. Yes. I love it. It's so it's ridiculous. <laughs> so it makes me happy. So like my family kind of, you know, we always love the fashion industry. So we always kind of pay attention to the business side of, of that world as well. And so really understanding where our world is. You have AI that's kind of thrown a loop into things, but I think that's actually a small part of why we're slow because we're talking about inflation and interest rates have gone up significantly. You know, we're in like over 7%. They're the highest that they've ever been. Or it's like a fastest increase in the last like 20 to 30 years. Wow. And it's really not going away anytime soon. Yeah, we're still trying to figure out, like the, the dirty word of recession is still kind of looming, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, causes a, that that snowballs into a lot of behavioral changes as well. So consumer habits have changed. People have a lot more options to choose from. There's a lot more merchandise out in the world right now. You know, you look at the Amazon stores and there's just, there's so many more. Everybody has their side hustle on Amazon. And so there's a lot of different options. But then you have a generation like Gen Z, which is a quarter of the U.S. population, the largest generation in in our history, now starting to buy their first homes or starting to get apartments or like they're not going into the workforce. And so what does that look like? How are they spending their money? And they're going back to similar ways of kind of, you know, a little bit of what the boomers did, which is small capsule wardrobes. They do not want fast mm-hmm. fashion. They want to have a small capsule wardrobe and then swap out pieces, you know, for every season, however they see fit. And so if you're buying less, but you're spending more on those pieces, that obviously changes your inventory. Yes. And like even just spending habits, like if we're talking about a recession, all that cash that people got during the pandemic, well, now they're going to hold on to it because they don't know what the future holds. So kind of the way that we're approaching consumerism is already a thing. So then also there are the issues of supply chain as well. So 
we had all the issues going on in Asia. Everything was getting stuck in ports. Once that got resolved, on the heels of that was when the Russian-Ukrainian war started, which has caused additional supply chain issues. From there, reading this week, I also found out that the Panama Canal, which is 40% of the container traffic into the U.S., is also having issues because of global warming. There's actually a drought happening mm. that prevents certain boats, you know, like tankers, being able to go through the canal itself which then causes significant delays there. So there's so many different elements and pieces that are to take into consideration when we talk about our industry being slow because we're impacted by consumers. We're impacted by, you know, the retail growth and inventory management, inflation, technology. There's a lot of pieces that culminate into our industry Mm. causing slowness. And I don't foresee that resolving, frankly, anytime this year. Yeah, the Panama Canal thing, I just saw that pop up and I it comes up on my news and the infographic of how many tankers are trying to pass through that area is just, it's terrifying. <laughs> Everybody should look that up because I, I, I imagine that's going to impact consumer shopping in every possible way, I'm guessing, um, but especially in our industry trying to actually process for e-commerce. Yeah, like getting merchandise into your distribution to actually photograph. Exactly. There's no, that how that snowballs and impacts every single phase of what we do is is pretty astounding. It's obscene and it's it's only going to get worse and it's going to happen faster. I think everybody kind of hits a breaking point where they start prioritizing like being climate friendly. I'm hoping too, just talking about it. That, you know, if you do manage a studio or you do, you know, have a, you know, you're somebody in a higher up position that works at a brand, maybe a fast fashion brand, maybe just, you know, the idea of focusing on being more eco-friendly and taking to consider climate change is like all we can do, all we can help influence people to do. So that's kind of my only thing is having a platform to tell people, you know, climate change is real and we should prioritize that, especially even just on a on a lower level, even in the studio. But just to, you know, just to kind of go back to what we were talking about in terms of the year being a little bit slower, I think it would be really great to talk about things that, you know, studios can do to kind of take advantage of slow periods. I know every studio goes through these slow periods on an annual basis, but since we're having a particularly slow period. Do you have any words of wisdom for maybe studios who might be slowing down and want to take advantage of this time? What can they be doing to optimize their studios during this time? In slow times, it really is important to take care of yourself too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, taking a break, taking a long weekend, taking a vacation, the world will not fall apart if you step away for a few days or for a week or two. And so making sure that you are also taking care of your own mental health and you're resting and that you come back excited again, you know, like rejuvenate yourself and find, do things that are really inspiring to you so that when you come back to work, it's coming in more refreshed and kind of, you know, this new level of energy Mm -hmm. to tackle the, like it's supposed to speed up significantly, I think in the fourth (laughs) quarter. So, you know, get, get ready for that too. But I think when you're, you know, at work, this is a really great opportunity to look at your processes and what systems are you using and how is your team completing the work? If you know that you have an annual shoot that you have to gear up for, maybe it starts happening in Q4, 
what can you do now to prepare for that? Can you look at the past shoots? What was successful? What were areas of improvement? How would you do things differently? And start planning that. Get everybody involved. Start the communication so that it's a little bit calmer. It's not so reactive. It's more proactive. Mm-hmm. And you know, how can you improve from last year? I think it's also really important to start looking at what projects you've just completed as well and understanding, like doing a recap Some people like this word, some people don't, but doing a postmortem and getting everybody involved and what did we learn? How could we do it differently? How can we improve for the next round? And really taking the time to look at how you're doing what you're doing right now and what can you do to improve that? Looking at your SOPs. Do you even have SOPs documented, standard operating procedures? Do you have checklists? Do you have an onboarding process? So if somebody new were to come in, how do they learn the job? Setting, you want to make sure that you're setting your team up for success. So whatever tools you need to put in place, whether that's like a handbook or training, I know Creative Force does an incredible job with the Academy, which is an entire process in itself, but you know, something's <laughs> like a small version of that. Like, how do you get your team onboarded? How do you, if you're bringing in a freelancer, how do they understand? How do they learn the ropes? And getting that kind of information put together and consolidated to share out with people. I also think this is a great opportunity for continued education. A lot of organizations will support the team members or their employees in continued education. They'll pay for courses. They'll pay for workshops. Sometimes they'll even pay for degrees, depending on how, like if Mm -hmm. you're a part of the leadership team. And so look at podcasts, look at books, look at courses, look at workshops, webinars. Everybody's doing webinars these days because they just want to share information and, and get everybody excited Take advantage of those. Sometimes only 30 minutes during your lunch break, and it's awesome. Yeah. But I also think, you know, talking to your colleagues and, and what are they listening to? What are they learning? You know, there's there's all kinds of different people that you work with. And being able to sit down and have a coffee, because it's a little slow today, sit down, have a coffee, and talk to somebody in a different department. What are they experiencing? Do they feel like it's slow? What are some pain points of what of their day-to-day process? And how can you work together to improve those? I think it's just becoming a little bit more aware of your surroundings and root yourself in the here and now and to prepare yourself for that next big push to the end of the year. Yeah, that's great advice. I know virtual coffees, it sounds kind of (laughs) goofy, but I swear a virtual coffee is so important with people that you don't generally interact with on a regular basis because you just learn about what people go through on the other side of the of the fence and i think you know get to know each other as people because in this you know working more remotely i know i've talked to daniel about this a bunch but like working more remotely keeps you away from you know some real human connection that i think a lot of us are really used to having in the studio And if you're lucky enough to still work in a studio environment with lots of people and it's bustling and, you know, you still get a chance to eat lunch and, you know, talk to people face to face, that's awesome. (laughs) I miss it. I'm happy for you. But for me, like, you know, for what I do, a lot of times, most of my interaction day to day is on Zoom or on Google Meet. So it's really important to really prioritize time to sit with people and actually talk to them and learn who they are as a human. Mm -hmm. So I love that advice. That's fantastic advice. And just to kind of regroup and learn more about your, you know, what you guys are doing. Perry, I I honestly am so excited to be able to talk to you about this. I, one of the things I wanted to make sure we do kind of before we wrap up is 
talk about where people can find you if there are any specific events that you want to call out that you will be at in person and kind of give the audience a chance to find you and talk about your services. So do you have any upcoming events or things that you're working on at this moment? I mean, there's few. (laughs) Well, first and foremost, I am on LinkedIn under Perry Shad. So feel free to connect always up for a conversation, always up for in-person or a virtual coffee to talk about any pain points and issues that, that might be happening with you and your organization and to share some of you know the services that I provide. But as for events, because I do love an event, they're like, I look forward to them. So we have Flow New York on September 6th. So I will be attending that. I will not be speaking at this event, so it'll be nice to just enjoy the day and network and see a lot of amazing familiar faces, hopefully meet some new ones as well. On September 27th, I am actually chairing the Henry Stewart Photo Studio Operations Forum. It's completely online. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited. It's completely online, so please sign up if you haven't already. There's an incredible lineup of folks that are going to be speaking. And then also, I believe it's November 17th is the Henry Stewart All Operations Conference that's happening in LA. And I actually will be hosting a panel at the photo studio ops portion of that. So, Oh, awesome. Yeah. So just a few things coming up. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I just want to mention to anybody who hasn't met Perry face-to-face or hasn't had the pleasure of meeting Perry face-to-face, she is the most fashionable person in the room. When she's mentioned that she keeps track of fashion, she's not kidding. When I met you, Perry, you were rocking some like satin pink platform shoes. And like, I just, I knew that we would be really good friends the moment (laughs) I saw you. And so, yeah, I think if, uh, you know, if you don't know or you can't find her, listen for the shoes and watch out for somebody who is just the most fashionable person. <laughs> I am a huge fan of fashion myself, so I it's an important topic to me. <laughs> I'm glad we share that in common. <laughs> We're already planning our outfits, and we'll keep you all updated on what that looks like. Perry, you probably already have your outfit planned, actually. I do, yeah. Flow is there's two different outfits. Fits depending on weather situation, but um, the other two are locked and loaded and ready to go. Awesome. Oh, that's great. I love that. I love that. Well, Perry, it's been a pleasure. I could talk to you literally all day. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And yeah, it's been great. And we definitely appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Always lovely to chat with you, Caitlin. That's it for this episode of the e-commerce content creation podcast. Many thanks to our guest, Perry Shad, and thanks to you for listening. The show is produced by Creative Force, edited by Calvin Lands. Special thanks to Sean O'Meara. This episode was hosted by Caitlin Andrews. I'm Daniel Jester. Until next time, my friends. Hi, Ian. Hi, Ian.